Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Well, if I did the quick math right, about 900 years ago, uh, in the year, let's see, it was uh, 1,110, there was in England a young man who was born to a a well-educated and religious family. This young young man's name was Aylred. And Aylred was, when he was in his teenage years, as was customary for people uh, who were educated at the time, yeah, they, his parents shipped him off to Scotland uh, to live with another family and experience a different culture. And so they shipped him off to Scotland, and he actually was sent to the court of the king of Scotland uh, in order to pursue a friendship with one of the king's sons. And so this was kind of his job, and as a part of his curriculum, he read Cicero's great treatise on friendship. And so he became really interested in the subject of friendship, And while he was on assignment in his early 20s, so this is your gap year time frame, uh, he's in his early 20s, and he goes away uh, over to, back to York, and and he's on assignment from the King of Scotland. And while he's there, he bumps into this new monastic community in this little community. Um, And so he, while he's there, he, he just becomes enamored with the monks and their friendship with one another and their culture and just how things are going. So he goes back and he spends the night thinking about it and praying about it. And the next day he goes and enters the monastic community and he stays there for the rest of his life. He, uh, he eventually becomes abbot of the community, kind of the leader, the shepherd of the community. And in his role there, uh, he writes this treatise on spiritual friendship. And this work was lost for a lot of years. It wasn't until the mid-1800s that we found this work. A lot of the things that he had written were quoted throughout Christian history, but they were misattributed to other people. And so we just figured out, okay, this guy, Elred, he, he, was, uh, he was this great author of Spiritual Friendship. And in his work called Spiritual Friendship, he makes this bold statement, which is really beautiful. It's really simple. And he simply said, God is friendship. God is friendship. So when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, like John taught his disciples, Jesus essentially responds with this invitation. At the heart of the invitation is a reminder, something like, when you pray, don't forget God is friendship. So Jesus, when he's teaching on prayer, of course, they've been watching Jesus pray. They know he's a person of prayer. They know he's communing with his Father and that he's referenced God as Father. And there's been all this interaction with the Holy Spirit. And so even before they developed the formal doctrine of the Trinity, the disciples knew there's something between the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit that's like friendship. And Jesus is going off to pray. And so Jesus comes back and the disciples are enamored. They're going, well, we got to learn how to do this. We got to learn how to pray. And I imagine just because we know some of the disciples, you know, we know we have accountants, we have lawyers, we have fishermen, we have everyday people, we have ex-military, we have a great little ragtag group. And when we get together, we like to figure things out. You know, we like the technical answers. 
when I get together with all of you, I like technical answers. Lord, show us how to pray. I got my notepad out. Let's do this thing. What do I say? And Jesus responds by saying, okay, when you pray, there's some words that you should say. And the words are very important. And we can thank our Episcopalian brothers and sisters. If you can think about the Methodist family being kind of a big family, and on one end of the more formal side of things, we might say, we have Episcopalians. And on the less formal side of things, maybe on the more energetic side of things, we have the Pentecostals. So here we are spanning the gap, and we can thank our Episcopalian friends for reminding us that the words are very important. So if you've ever seen the Book of Common Prayer, or you've been a part of a prayer service, the words are very important. We all say the same words together when we read them over and over again, and it's this idea uh, like that movie, Remember the Titans, where he says, you know, it's the 32-veer dive. It just give it time. It works. We're going to run it 90 times in a row, and eventually it's going to work. Uh, words work this way. Our liturgy works this way. We pray the Lord's Prayer our whole life, and then when we're 45, we wake up one day and we go... That's what it means to ask for daily bread, right? The light bulb comes on and we, we go, okay, and, and we make sense of it. So the words are very important. And Jesus tells us some words that we should pray. Uh, he begins and ends this entire section, uh, as Luke's telling the story, with this reference to God as Father, which was very, uh, very different and very, uh, it was a bit of an adjustment. But Jesus is trying to get the disciples to understand God is friendship. You don't address God maybe like you've been addressing God. You know, you're not talking to someone who's far away, who lives on another planet, and, you know, you have to, he's not listening. But this God is very near to us, and we're going to talk to him in this way. So God is Father. And the Father in the culture is, of course, he's the only one that can redefine the identity. He's the only one that can kind of set things up. And so they're saying, this God, you're the one that that redefines our identity, who we are. You set us on the right path. And so the people began to pray these words. When you pray, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. These great petitions that we've come to know and love. Uh, Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer is a little shorter. Five petitions instead of seven. It's a little different. Uh, not a big deal. It's not like, you know, the gospel writers were confused. But in their recollection of what Jesus was saying, they, they emphasized different things. And so we know that the Lord's Prayer, as we know it, was used in Christian worship uh, as the Gospels were being written. And so this was an important part of their worship, just like it is an important part of our worship. And so we get these great petitions about, let the kingdom of God come, let your name be made holy, give us what we need every day, our daily bread, uh, forgive us our sins, and we're going to be at work forgiving other people that are indebted to us. We're gonna, we want to see the whole kingdom of God manifest in the earth. We want to see, just like the year of Jubilee, we want to see people who thought they could never get out of debt. We want to see them experience forgiveness and realize that my debts, have, even my debts have been forgiven. And we know the kind of liberation that comes with that. And that's what we want to see. And so the disciples are praying this prayer. Jesus is teaching them, this is what we say. Don't let us fall into temptation, right? Let us not be like our ancestors in the desert who fell to temptation over and over again, but let us let us be like Jesus who endured the temptation of the devil and he came out on top because he stood on the word of God and realized that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the words are important. We're learning to say the words. And then after that section, after verse 4, um, Luke says, and then when Jesus was teaching them more about prayer, you know, he's just continuing to teach. And now he's not giving them the words as much 
as he's giving them the heart. You know, the words are very important, but if the words are only the words and we just say the words and there's no heart, there's no connection, then we miss something about prayer. This is how I lived most of my early life was learning the words and not learning the heart. I missed, I missed the connection somewhere. I didn't catch that part about God as friendship for a long, long time, and I'm still struggling to learn. Uh, but I think what, this is where we can thank our Pentecostal friends, right? Because if you, I had never, I'd never in my life heard someone pray differently than we pray kind of in here or, um, you know, I don't know. So you might go to church camp or you go to walk to Mass and you're around people from other traditions and you hear people pray differently. And you go, whoa, that's, that's a new one. Uh, never heard anyone talk to God that way. That's a little strange. But often it's the passion in that that kind of gets us excited. And then you think about it, it's like, if I'm going to call my friend on the phone, if I'm going to call somebody on the phone, I'm not going to say, hello, friend, I'm calling you to ask you a question about your day. How is your day, right? We put the energy into it. And I say, Caleb, what's going on? How in the world are you? Why haven't you called me back? I haven't talked to you in two weeks. Do you even know that I'm over here drowning? I'm about to die and no one's listening. And how's it going, right? We, we yell. So when we hear people pray like that, we go, oh, okay, maybe there's an element to that, that so that we work the passion in. So the heart comes in. We're thankful to the Pentecostals for reminding us that um, because we tend to try to do what? Make it technical. Just cross our T's and dot our I's and we prayed our prayers. And that's good. That's good. That gets us going. But somewhere the heart has to come in or we just lose heart and we don't even want to mess with the words anymore. This is why people disengage from church and disengage from prayer. It's not because, you know, they just decide they want to become atheists all of a sudden, but they just, the heart disconnects. And they go, I don't even know why I bother with that anymore. You know, it's not, I'm just not connected. I'm not, I'm not feeling it anymore, right? You hear people say that. And, uh, and, it, and it happens, you know, and so we're, we're always in the work of reminding people and reminding each other, God is friendship. God is friendship. There's a trust. There's a deepening of heart that comes with prayer. So Jesus resists the technical answer and shows that prayer is an immersion in the friendship of God. And so he tells this story, and it's great because Jesus, this is what he's so good at. He tells a story. Okay, it's like this, right? You've got this friend. And uh, he's there, and he's asleep in his house. And, and you know, in that culture, the, you slept together, like, on the, like a pallet, like we used to at my grandma's house. And everyone slept on the floor together. And so you can imagine you and your passel of children, or nephews, or whoever was around, and you're all together in this pallet, and, and it's impossible. You're always going to have some kid like my youngest that just resists sleep. You know, and it's like somebody, every, y'all go, go to sleep, right? And you're trying to get everybody to sleep. You finally get everybody to sleep, and you look over at your wife, and you go, okay, I think we've got it. I think we've got it. You know, here we go. We're all going to bed, and you finally get to sleep, and then you hear knock, 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 or you hear the ring, the ring app on your phone hits, and it's like, who is, who is, <laughs> who's at my door? You know, I just got these brats to sleep, and it's this whole deal. And, and he says, you know, if it's your friend comes, and he had a friend come to town, and he needed bread, and he rings your doorbell in the middle of the night, even if you won't get up and give him bread because he's your friend, which is likely, you're not going to let it get out that you didn't go meet his need in the middle of the night, because that would dishonor you. That would cause you shame in the community. And word would get out, man, if you really need something in the middle of the night, don't go to Strebeck, because he ain't waking up. 
He's not going to answer the door, right? So if my neighbor, if Bill and Linda come over and ring my doorbell at 2 in the morning and I don't help them with their need, they're going to be telling, man, we were really hard up and we thought we could just walk over and ring Ryan's doorbell, but he didn't show up. You know, he never came to the door. So we're not doing that again. And then word gets out. It's like, what a sorry neighbor, you know? So even if you won't do it because you're their friend, they're going to do it because to save face, you know? And that's the story that he tells. Even if he won't get up and give him anything because he's his friend, in order to avoid dishonor, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. And um, this word that is translated dishonor or impertinence, uh, it's really a tough word to translate. But it's been, I think, often mistranslated in English. uh, And we see it as one more thing. It's like persistence. And we go, okay, cool. So the way to pray is to pray the right words and just to persist and just keep praying, you know, try harder. Uh, and not that trying harder is not helpful, but in this case, Jesus is trying to say, you, you must know the character of the one to whom you're praying. That's the most important thing. It's the words, and it's the character of the person that you're talking to. And so don't, even if God won't answer your prayer because he's your friend, God will not be put to shame. God will never be shamed. Not because God is vain, but because God's glory is important and God's holiness is a reality. So God will not be put to shame even if he wouldn't come to the door just because he's your friend. It just kind of blows the door off for me of this whole thing and the constructs we put in. Realize God hears our prayers, yes, because he's God, but because he's our friend, because God is friendship. It's a critical detail as we're learning to pray. So Jesus continues, ask and it will be given. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. And then three times, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who searches will find. Everyone who knocks, to them the door will be opened. Jesus is again reminding the disciples that this is not just for a select group of super spiritual people. Everybody who asks receives. Everybody who searches finds. Everybody who knocks, God answers. God answers the door. He's your friend, but he also is passionate about his glory. So if we want to learn to pray, we must remember the nature of the one who hears our prayers. There's this gift. And so then Jesus turns to the disciples and says, which father among you guys, right? Any of you got kids or you got nieces and nephews? Which one of y'all, if they ask for bread, are you going to turn around and give them a stone, right? Or if, uh, if they ask for fish, you're going to give them a snake. And if they ask for an egg, will you give them, you know, the, the scorpion? And he says, if you guys would never consider doing that and you think that sounds ridiculous, And you guys know that within you is this capacity to evil and you're selfish and all the stuff. If you guys would never do that to your children, how much more would God never even think of you that way? Would that never cross God's mind to give you something besides what is good for you? And so that's when Jesus says, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And we've been on this journey, we've been rolling along, and we're wrapped up in all the things that we're asking for, and we realize that the greatest gift that God could ever give us is the gift of himself, is the gift of a friend 
the gift of a companion for the journey. If you have a difficult task that lies ahead, we know, we know, we know that it's more bearable if you have a friend by your side. This is why in the Gospels, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the one who will guide us into all truth, who will lead us into all truth, who will show us, right, the things of Jesus. So God is saying, I will give you the very gift of myself. I will give you the gift of my presence as the answer to your prayers. It doesn't matter what you're asking for, and it's not that the daily bread's not important. We're going to provide that too, but I'm giving you the gift of myself as the sustaining gift and the answer to all of your deepest prayers. Because what we're always asking for is that connection, that deep relationship, the friendship that will help us go on and take the next step. And so I think Jesus is telling his disciples a story about God's goodness. He's given them words because words are important. And we have to know which words to say. We can't just start out and start babbling, you know, stuff that doesn't make sense. Because we've got to pass this on to our kids too. So we want, the words are important. But he's, re, he's opening up the window and saying, look, God's goodness is at stake here. And if you don't remember that the God that you're praying to is a good God, who is your friend, who's giving you the very gift of himself, then it's going to be hard for you to connect that heart piece because we're always going to feel like God is so other that I can't talk to God. Is God other? Of course. Is God holy in a way that I cannot be holy? Of course. Did God create the heavens and the earth? Of course. Uh, But God is revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which we carry as praying people inside of our very hearts. God is alive inside of you and me. And this is such the answer to our prayers that so often we just, we, just, we just forget about it. Just like when the sun rises and sets every day and we just come to expect it. And uh, so every once in a while we see the sun come up in a way that reminds us, wow, that is beautiful. And every so often we, we connect with God in a way that reminds us, oh yeah, God is friendship. God is, the gift of himself is what sustains me. And of course, with that comes embracing God as friend. The Holy Spirit is the answer to our deepest prayers. It will, of course, result in living differently. It will, will of course, result in these petitions of the Lord's Prayer, uh, enduring temptation, celebrating forgiveness, sharing forgiveness, receiving daily bread, entering the kingdom of God and witnessing the name of God being made holy in our midst. Uh, these things will happen as well. But we have to get back to that, that first piece, the heart piece, or sometimes we miss the other answers that we're receiving along the way. So may God give us the gift of himself today, and may we celebrate that as friendship and as what we need for the journey, the good news of the gospel. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.